you have fully vacant units on your property that you have mothballed until next semester? If you do, I bet you've thought to yourself, we should list those on Airbnb for game day weekends or for parents visiting their kids. Maybe you're in a college town like Austin or Raleigh or Tallahassee and your city has large festivals and not enough hotel rooms. You know you could lease those units on a nightly or a weekly basis. Providing short-term rentals on platforms like Airbnb can provide a great source of ancillary income, but it takes some, uh, all right, excuse me, it takes a lot of organization. There's the additional setup of providing linens and coffee makers and all the little things that a short-term tenant will expect. Then there's the regulatory and tax issues that could require additional work. More importantly, there's the time and labor to market on all the multiple platforms, handle the reservations and cancellations, the cleaning, and then there's the bookkeeping. All of this turns into a big distraction from the main job at hand, which is operating and leasing your property. That's where Vector Travel comes in. These guys know the short-term rental industry and they know how to relieve all of those burdens from the property manager. And best of all, they've become experts in how to do that with student properties. They understand the complexity of mixing travelers with college students. They know it so well, they can quickly identify if a student property is not going to be a good fit for their program. So if you have vacant units, reach out to Vector Travel and have them do a free, no obligation assessment to determine if enrolling your vacant units in their program will be beneficial. Go to VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Fill out a quick form to receive more information. You will also get the first month service fee waived by going to that specific landing page. Again, that's VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we're putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and joining me today is Greta Dare. Hello. How are you doing? Trying to not die of COVID. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, man, it's been something. We'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, (laughs) open this up on a good note. Guess what? What? This is the 100th episode of the Woo-hoo! Student Housing Insight Podcast. Can you believe that? I seriously can't believe that. That's insane. I wish I'd put together some kind of you know montage or whatever, but I mean, let's face it, that takes a lot of work. And, um, you know, between holidays and Omicron, and I just didn't have it in me to put all that together. Um, <laughs> plus, I doubt everybody really wants to hear that. So, uh, But yeah, 100 episodes. This is... I don't know. I mean, that's over four years, I guess. But I think it's uh, been, hasn't it been five now? Was it, it four? Well, it was four years in in August when we started. So my goodness, yeah, I still yeah. remember our first and second episodes. It's grown it's, so much. It's been a ride, and you've been here <laughs> for all of it. Thank you very Aww. much. Yeah, so this is going to be a special episode, to say the least. We've got a interview with. Uh, Julie Bonin from Asset Campus, which I'm excited for folks to to hear about 
talk about an industry veteran that's just got a lot of experience, and a lot of wisdom. And I'm excited for, for folks to, to hear our interview. But hey, the last time you and I were co-hosting together, we were getting ready for LeaseCon. Oh, is that right? I think so. Yeah, I we, we were at least talking about it. We probably were. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. The, la- the last episode, um, we actually had Leslie Cole as as the co-host, and we were talking about preparing for winter. So if you didn't get to listen to that, hey, there's still a couple more weeks left in the break, so you may want to go back and listen to that. But but yeah, prior to that, I think we were talked a little bit with the audience about LeaseCon coming up, and which turned out to be amazing, by the way. I thought it did too. I was, you know, I was a little concerned of, you know, how attendance would be just because, uh, you know, we came out That's Thanksgiving okay. weekend, there's a new variant. It's, you know, and I was just like, ah, nobody's going to come. And um, it was actually the last time it was, there was a lease con was in the fall of 2019. And actually France media reported back to me or interface, I should say that, they uh, they actually uh, exceeded the numbers from 2019 for the for the in person session. If you included the uh, they did do a hybrid version this year as well, so uh, that would actually kind of put them over as far as attendance uh, compared to 2019. But yeah, and if you didn't get to go, and this is maybe your first time hearing about it, you could still register to uh, to get the seat license to watch it virtually. Uh, which I've I've heard a lot of comments from folks that they really appreciated that. One thing that they mentioned was that those that did attend virtually is they wish they could have interacted at, at you know asked some questions that type of thing. And so I've already had uh, you know kind of a follow up conversation with the folks at, at Interface, and that's definitely something we're going to look at doing for the next one, um, which we'll talk a little bit about. But yeah, just recapping. You know, good attendance given all the circumstances, given the timing of the year. I thought it was. I thought it was actually really good attendance. Really great content. What was oh your favorite? Gosh. What was your favorite panel? Listen, you know, there was this really incredible panel that, that you um, hosted. I heard, <laughs> I heard that the audience was really, really excited and really loud and definitely louder than the one that was next door um, that TJ Chambers was hosting where he was really boring <laughs> and terrible. I mean, that was just the feedback that I heard. I'm just saying. I'm just so, saying. I got to tell you. I- <laughs> I shared with the guys yesterday, you know, one, that was, that was a highlight because I was actually kind of out in the lobby witnessing that happening between both because, (laughs) yeah, I wanted to see, I wanted to see what, what TJ and then he also had um, on his panel and forgive me, I'm not going to remember everybody, but he had Jordan Manley from CA Ventures and Jonathan Jeans from Be Home and someone from peak and I'm just drawing a blank on who it was. And and I'm so sorry if you're that person listening right now, but I'd actually come, came up with that title when, when Rich Kelly and I were, you know, kind of planning out the content. So I was really interested in seeing it and they did a fantastic job. I don't know if you've gotten the link to go back and look at the, you know, to look at all the sessions that were recorded because obviously you didn't see it because you were, you were in the other one, but they did a really fantastic job. It was on, you know, managing and marketing within urban markets. Um, mm-hmm. 
and in metropolitan well, it's a great markets. Group. That's a fantastic group. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know, like Atlanta has had a lot of explosion this past year in student housing, you know, the Charlotte area. I'm not I'm not talking about areas like San Francisco and New York. Like that that's that's a beast within itself. And you know, there's not even a lot of national operators in those markets. But you know, when it can, when it comes to you know, places like Denton, Texas and and Fort Worth and um, Austin, Raleigh, those those kind of areas, Tallahassee, it's just a different beast because you're dealing with so many other things that are coming from the conventional side that can that could you know sometimes overshadow some things that that you're trying to do in the market and and it takes it takes a little bit of a different character to to lease very well in those markets. So Absolutely. it was great to, great to hear from them on on that. But yeah, so so your panel was your favorite panel. Outside <laughs> of that, what was your favorite panel? And you can't say it, full transparency. I did moderate two panels myself. But so you can't you can't choose mine and you can't choose yours. Oh, that was rude. I was going to say because yours was great. No, I actually did sit in on um, a lot of the turn panels. And the reason being was because of the fact that I do have a lot of exposure, obviously, to the leasing and marketing side. And so I did focus a little bit more on the turn ones. I did think that the FFE, that one was moderated by Eli Ruth from Cardinal. Yeah. That, that one was really, really informative. He did and a good job on that. He, he really did. did. Great job. And so that one was really interesting as well. And so I did love the fact that this one did focus on both sides of the business. And so it was really, I just, I don't know. I love this event. And I think that it's really, really just uh, for our industry overall. I think that it's phenomenal. And it really, I want to see more people next year. I think that anyone that's listening, you need to write it down or email your regionals. You need to email your VPs and you need to make sure that it's in your budget for for people to go because there was so many huge takeaways for planning and so much information and so much, honestly, and there was incredible networking and really so many amazing friendships taken away from it as well beyond just like the learning, but so, so much incredible information. Yeah. Um, and, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, we have already started discussions about the next one. This is something that I, I, I've kind of been working with with the folks at Interface on almost in a, in a partnership standpoint, because I do think this is so important to a not only have this, but also to make sure that the content is, is well is such of an important uh, event for our industry. And I want to make sure that yeah, you know, the the content stands up to it as well because I've seen other groups that have tried to do student housing operations focused conferences, and to be honest, you know where they fell short was on the content, and you know over a period of time, people just lost interest, and so I don't want that to to happen with this, and so you know I've I've you know pledged to those guys that I will you know, certainly help them make this the best that it can. So, Hey, look, one of the biggest things that we even complained about amongst ourselves, as far as between myself and like Rich Kelly was, we didn't really have enough time to, you know, market it and, you know, get everybody on board. And so a lot of that was just due to, you know, all the pandemic things that were going on. 
you know, so we're going to be, we're going to be, you know, planning this out probably six months in advance, you know, from the time we initially start marketing to when we do it. We knew December was not the right month. We want to, you know, we were previously doing it in September, made a lot of sense in September, but some of the feedback that we're hearing is even September is not the best time. So maybe a January, February, I don't know. We're, we're going to be, and if you've got an opinion on it, please send me a, an email at contact at studenthousinginsight.com. Would love to hear your feedback on that. But anyway, we'll be, we'll be making that announcement probably right around the same time that Interface does their big student housing event in Austin, Texas, which is more you know, business investment uh, focused versus operations focused. And just for those that, that may not have received the email yet, um, that has now been announced. I believe it's May 4th through 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's ending so, on a Friday this year. Yeah, and, and they're not doing I it love, in April. The they typically, yeah, they typically do it in April, but um, for whatever reason, that was not going to work out this year. And so it's it's May 4th through 6th. Yeah, it's a Wednesday through Friday we're going to be doing something. There'll be more information to come, but I love um, it when I find these types of things out with everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no, you and I have talked about um, bringing back in 2020, we were launching market meetups and oh, yes, yes, none yes. of those, yeah, none of those got to happen because of Corona and uh, <laughs> it's just stained. Uh, I know you're laughing because we've, we've got a, uh, we were introduced to the Flurona concept this morning, which is a whole other thing. But anyway, so yeah, we got introduced to uh, Corona in 2020 and that canceled all of our market meetups. Um, but anyway, there will be more information on the website as those get announced. But I think we're going to do one uh, in combination with Interface for the University of Texas market uh, that, that Austin market. So if you're in that area, make sure that you, uh, that you sign up for that. It's outside of anything going on with interface. It will likely even be at a different venue, but we'll be at the same time so that folks that are coming from out of town, uh, that have properties in, in Texas can, can join. So anyway, so yeah, that's coming up. We've got a lot of other stuff that's coming up in 2022. We're going to be launching a new website. We'll talk more about that in a upcoming episode, but you've been really busy with all of that. I have not this week, this week I've been in bed, but outside of that, <laughs> yes, I have been very busy, very excited about um, all of the, the student housing insights changes and updates and the creation of things, which as you know, is my favorite thing to do in the entire world. Well, I've got to see some previews of it and I'm super excited about it. We also released, so there's a a major component of the website is a video that we put together this past fall. And we actually uh, introduced that video at LeaseCon um, and we'll be putting it up once the, we'll put it up on our YouTube channel once the, um, of course, sending it out to everything on social media. Once we get to, once we get the, the website launched. So love that video too. Yeah, it was a lot of fun making, and I think it just captures everything that, you know, that's at our core. So super excited for folks to see that. But the other thing that we're launching for 2022 is the podcast is is going to be featuring a lot of profiles. I always open this up with, you know, 
Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we're putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. And, you know, that's been kind of an important part of this podcast for me is being able to, you know, we're all in our companies and and some of us have worked for a lot of different companies and have got to meet, you know, all of these industry leaders that, that we talk about. But some folks, you know, have it. They've worked with one company their, you know, their entire career or maybe just one or two. And, you know, there's a very interesting story to be told uh, within the student housing industry. And it's it's one I'm familiar with just because, you know, I'm becoming old as dirt and uh, I've spent 25 years in this industry. And, you know, you, you pick up on a lot of these things that have happened. But we're going to be each month, we're going to be doing a, a profile on, you know, a certain industry veteran or executive, not necessarily someone that's been in the in the business for you know, for decades or anything like that. But but there will be a lot of folks that have been in the industry for for multiple decades that, that we'll be talking to. And that's what this uh, this first uh, episode of 2022 and our 100th episode is about. And we're talking to Julie Bonin, um, who is the chief operating officer and principal at Asset Living, used to be known as Asset Campus. But uh, did a rebrand this past year, and uh, they they now go by Asset Living. Which man, they had a a huge twenty twenty one. No kidding. Julie not only celebrated her twentieth anniversary, but she was also named a principal, and um, they've done some magnificent acquisitions. Uh, of course, the top twenty five just came out, and uh, they are of course again the largest third party manager of student housing and the and the second largest manager that's by room count i think they actually lead when it comes to properties but i think acc's got them beat on number of rooms or number of beds but yeah and we recorded this at least con so we got to do it in person which is always nice um at least for me but what was really cool about this is you got to spend some time with with julie as well the evening before having just kind of an impromptu conversation and I'd love for you to kind of share some of that with the audience. I did. And it was very impromptu and it was. Which is another great thing about live events is, is, you know, running into people and having great conversation. Well, it's funny because I was sitting there thinking about the the way that you just said that, you know, we don't, the great thing about the podcast is that it kind of gives everyone access to people that they may not ever get access to. And I feel like that is, that encompasses really what this opportunity is. Because I think about yeah. when I worked on site and even people in my corporate office team, like it's, it's not like you get that opportunity. Like they may come by your office. You may have that opportunity where, you know, a VP, an SVP, a CEO, or CEO, they come by your office and you meet them and you talk to them for like 15 minutes and it's like you don't really get to know them or you know you feel like they don't get to meet your personality or whatever, but you do want to know more about them. And so this gives that opportunity to really, you know, have 30 or 40 minutes of really understanding more about who they are. And I love that. And honestly, when it comes to Julie, okay, so I am going to get really starry-eyed about this um, because Julie really is the real deal in student housing, in property management. And 
I feel really, really passionately about that, especially after spending time with her, so much time with her in person about spending, you know, listening to even going back and re-listening to this entire podcast episode. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I've talked about, anybody who knows me, I talked about, you know, this conference that I went to years ago, and there was somebody who was on stage who was so passionately discussing home and living learning environments. And I felt so gripped by that. And it hasn't been since then that I felt so struck by somebody's authenticity before and sitting there essentially with her she is that, you know, it was, we were talking about the student experience and technology and doing the right thing and all of these things, this whole conversation and the humility, the realness, the, uh, it's all there. And she's so smart and she's so knowledgeable and just, I don't have enough good things to say. It's, I just don't, I really don't. And I think I honestly, like, I'm, I'm so filled with gratitude over the fact that I got to spend that time with her. And I just, I couldn't possibly think more highly of her, honestly. And I think that I really hope that, that she, there's more public, more time in the public, more time that people get to be around her. Yeah. Grateful. And I'm glad that she's in our industry. I think that we are lucky to have her in this industry, truly. And I hope that more people get to be impacted by her influence because I think that we're greater for it. Yeah. 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 Julie and I have had several conversations over, over the years, you know, be it from working together on transactions or if it's uh, truth be told, you know, Julie's interviewed me before. Right. And, um, (laughs) we've, uh, uh, she didn't hire me, uh, so, <laughs> um, How which dare is, she? yeah, yeah. Um, but, but no, we've had a, a great relationship over the years and, you know, she's been someone that like, if there's just something that's, that's got me stuck that I can't, you know, I can't, um, seem to, to, you know, get my hands around. She, you know, she's been completely open to, you know, to, to have a quick chat and, and say, well, Hey, maybe you should think about, you know, doing it this way. And that's been, uh, that, that's been so helpful. I haven't, I, I, th- I can only think of actually one time that that's actually happened and, and she was so gracious with it. And I really appreciated that. But, you know, I know, I know other folks have had conversations with her like that from, from other companies as well. And so from that state, I mean, she really does, I mean, outside of, I mean, Asset's a huge company and they've got, you know, a lot of talented people there, but she really is someone that sees or believes that this industry is going to get, you know, only going to get better if we all communicate with each other and, and, and help each other. And she's, she's been a living testimony of that. So at some point in time, she's definitely going to be getting a uh, lifetime achievement award. I was just thinking that. <laughs> well, and it's so cool. I, you know, I want to go ahead and get to the interview because it's so cool. We get a little bit of the history of Asset and how, you know, she didn't want to be a part of, she didn't, she didn't want to have anything to do with student housing. And uh, it's something that, that uh, Mike McGrath um, uh, just kind of, you know, put in her lap. And so we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, let's go ahead and, and jump to the interview unless if there's anything else you want to bring up. No. Awesome. All right, guys, enjoy this. 
Julie, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Well, it's been it's been a long time coming. I've, <laughs> I've been, uh, you know, we've done a lot of things um, throughout the year, uh, both in 2021 and 2020, as it related to um, webinars and, and, you know, the folks at Asset have been such of a good or great help in, in, in that. Jason Ford, uh, Jessica Mancuso, they've been just fantastic guests on the, on the podcast and, um, and with our webinars. And I keep saying, guys, I got to get Julie on. I got to get Julie on. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so thankful that you were able to, to I mean, we got to do this in person. We're at LeaseCon in, in Dallas this week. And I was wanting to, I had you on a list of folks I wanted to interview in 2022 uh, you know, just to kind of get their, you know, the veterans of the, of the industry to kind of get their take on things. And when I saw that you were, you were going to be at this conference, I was like, yeah, I got to pack up the podcast equipment and see if I can get Julie to spend some time. Um, but speaking of 2021, it's been a, it's been a pretty exciting year for both asset, but you as well, uh, named principal. I, I know that's kind of been something that has been a part of your relationship with Asset um, probably f- since the beginning, but but officially got that 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 title added, and and then also, man, you guys are doing some incredible things with acquisitions and and taking over other management platforms. It just uh, tell me a little bit, uh, you know, for those in the audience that that may not be familiar with Asset and your role there, you know, walk us through you know, what your role looks like today. Well, thank you, Wes. I'm excited to be here. Probably should have done this some time ago, but it's you, you got me. So uh, <laughs> my role, I mean, it's, it's exciting times over at Asset. And, and when they moved me into a principal role, I mean, it was probably, it's been a great honor because I've always felt I had ownership in this company because I believed in this company from day one. You certainly always acted like it. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, As I move into like my next phase of of, of my career, you know, my main role is making sure we have the necessary resources within our operations platform to be successful, looking at new initiatives and technologies, you know, that can help enhance the operations, which are some exciting things that we're doing on that front uh, within Asset. I've always had a passion for really working with our business development team members and helping them pursue business opportunities because I've always felt in the third-party business, you've got to constantly be working the third business, third-party business line. So I've, I've moved more, I've been a little bit more active in that uh, now that I have a really good operational arm underneath me. And then, you know, I, I really still try to stay in contact with a lot of our senior leadership team members. I, I want to hear what's going on with them, the challenges they're having. I've got a really awesome, you know, we elevated Stacy Lakoki to EVP back in October. She's sort of taking the reins of the day-to-day, you know, operations. Stacy's in Dallas, right? That, that is correct. And she's going to be here today. Awesome. So, you know, my role is, to, is sort of to mentor the next generation of leaders. And, and in my role as principal, I can sort of go to any vertical I want and help where I best suited. And I have a passion for um, strategies and technologies and just really making sure that we're sort of positioning ourselves for the next wave that comes, whatever that wave looks like. Um, So it's been an interesting ride. I mean, as a company, I couldn't be prouder. We're at 
we currently on the student side have uh, roughly 120,000 beds under management, which is about 245 properties in 44 different student markets. Wow. We continue, you know, to evolve. You know, we have another vertical, which is our uh, multifamily. Uh, this is where we're seeing a lot of growth. We're currently, you know, we're doing a lot of mergers and acquisitions, and we've closed on three of them uh, this year. And so that vertical is going extremely well. We're probably going to be announcing a fourth one by the end of the year. So I'm really excited. And what's, what, what's great about asset... Now, today is December 14th. There's, gonna- <laughs> I, there's going to be another one, I promise you. Um, but what's really great about the growth is that there's student housing, you know, I feel like I've cultivated a lot of the leaders that have been there because they've worked with me. For, I've been with the company close to 20 plus years. Yeah, you you celebrated uh, 20 years this I, year. I, thank you. Um, I, I feel like I've not only raised my family family, but my work, work family. family is yeah. I've seen a lot of these men and women in, you know, CA positions now into major leadership roles within the company. So that's exciting. And that's, um, it, and, and what's helping there's a lot of talent in the student side that we've been able to farm over to our multifamily side to help manage their growth and and that's going on over there so i think it's going to continue to to be exciting we've got a couple deals working even on the student side on on the acquisition which i can't really convey just yet but you know there's a few things percolating on that front too well awesome um yeah i mean 20 20 years uh, i think the longest i've been at a company uh, was eight, eight and a half years. And, you know, people looked at me like, uh, you know, I had two heads that I'd been with a company that long, but this isn't your first stint of being with the company for, for 20 years. You know, we'll get more into that. I think probably where we need to go to now is just, uh, let's get the origin story. You know, where did you grow up? You know, what, what's the, your career leading up to now? What has that been like? Uh, give it, give us the Julie story. Sure. I mean, I, as you can tell, I've been around a while. Uh, <laughs> you know, I grew up, I was raised in a small town, not a small town, but a, in Kirkwood, Missouri, which is west of St. Louis. Grew up, had a great childhood. Didn't realize what we didn't have, but we were happy. Yeah. And pure Midwestern values and, you know, one of four children. And we each took different paths. And I got out of high school early. I was sort of a, you know, I wanted to get to the next chapter. So I graduated almost a year early and I started, went to the University of Missouri up in Columbia. And and after a couple of years, you know, thought I knew what I knew. And I was sort of (laughs) going to be the college dropout. And and I heard that Houston was boomtown and that I needed to get down to Houston. So I traveled down to Houston in 75 and, and it was crazy back in those days and found a job within like three days working for a local developer who really turns out to be one of the iconic developers in Houston. I worked for a gentleman by the name of Wayne Duddleston that was instrumental in bringing like the Houston Rockets into the town and building um, a lot of, at that time I was heavily into the conventional side, a lot of office buildings and he got into the multifamily space. I worked with him for like 20 years, but I, I did so many different roles with him. I got really enjoying the finance and equity side of things. And I remember the early days, you know, when, when Mr. D, we called him, would be on the floor with all of us putting together presentations and explaining what he was trying to accomplish. And he finally encouraged me to go back, finish my education. He says, you need to go back, go to U of H, finish your education, which 
I was somewhat reluctant, but I did because I had great respect for the man. Yeah. And then we got really, really busy, and then life changes happened, and I had to stop again. And I had like 21 hours left to graduate, and I never did finish. So I call myself the college dropout. <laughs> but I worked with him and, you know, loved every minute of it, learned a lot from him. And then he... Quick question. Did you have any exposure to the real estate industry prior to going to work? I mean, were your, was your family involved with it? Was it something you... You know, looked at while you were at school, or I, I never had any exposure other than into my finance classes. Gotcha. Something that I'm, I've always been a numbers person, yeah. and I like the investment side of things. So I sort of gravitated to that. Uh, when I was in high school, I I held down three jobs, and one of them was wow. work working for a gentleman that did a lot of bond indentures that was associated with real estate. I sort of knew I didn't want to go that route of the real estate, so I wanted to try something different, and this. It gave me the opportunity. It was a small family company that just grew, and it grew uh, quite exponentially back. Family companies are great. I, you know, the the eight and a half years that I that I mentioned, you know, it was with a it was with a small company, probably nowhere near the size of what what you're you were talking about. But going back to what you said about being able to wear so many hats, you know, I got to see things from cradle to grave, and it was. It's something that the rest of my career has always benefited from. And even when, you know, when uh, that company was kind of no longer a vessel, you know, because of it it was, um, uh, it was, it was very small and the the great recession was something that just put that company on hold. And, and, you know, when I started interviewing with, with other student housing companies, they didn't know what box I went into because I was probably like applying for a regional manager position or something like that. But I had all this exposure from a development standpoint and from an ownership standpoint that they really didn't know what what box to put me into, but my career has been so great for it. And uh, you know, if there's uh, uh, maybe you agree with this too, but I've always told folks, if you can get yourself into a small company where you can wear those different hats, it, it is so worth it. I love the big companies because they, you know, treat a, they teach a lot about operations and, uh, you know, standards and, and things like that, which is, which is key. But it's just something about working for a small, especially family owned real estate company. I would echo that. I mean, I learned so much from that, those days. And then, Mr. Dalston didn't have a, he had three children, but neither one of his children wanted to take over the business. So he, his exit strategy was to, to sell the organization and he sold it to AIMCO and which I stayed there for a few years. Um, it just wasn't a fit for me. And then AIMCO also indicated that that time they didn't want to do third party management and gave me an opportunity to move the business, find a place to park myself, find an employer. And so I was younger at that time, so I, I went to, to another organization that I thought was the right fit, but I made it for the wrong reasons, and I sort of looked back. I purely made it purely on the financial economic side because they're going to pay me a ton of money. The worst decision I've ever made in my career, and I lasted one year because my integrity and character meant more to me than uh, working for a company that I didn't, didn't believe in their values and I didn't appreciate how they were treating the clients. Yeah. And so then it was during that time frame where I was 
I was going to take some time off, you know, you know, some time just to regroup myself once I decided, you know, I wasn't going to be working for the organization. Then I get a call at that time from Mike McGrath, who was the owner and principal of Asset Plus, and said, hey, we're here, you're on the market. Please don't accept anybody's offer until you have a chance to talk to us. <laughs> and so I took a few t- I took a couple of weeks off, came back into Houston, visited with them, and I immediately felt like this is another family business yeah. that I could get comfortable with. I and and it's been something to it's it's been a great ride for me. And I started out on the multifamily side of things. How, what, how many student housing properties at that point in time? At, at that time, there was a, a, another group of individuals that were sort of running the student platform. And at that time, we had like maybe 15 or 16 properties, but there was what I call a separation of, uh, of during that in 2004, where they sort of formed their own company, Mike kept his student property. So when I took over the student housing, and actually, I didn't take over the student housing, Mike McGrath <laughs> came to me not once, but I think three times asking me to just handle this until they could find, <laughs> to, to the, until they could find somebody to handle student housing and we'll figure it out. And I finally, I couldn't, I didn't have a choice, so I took it. And I'm one of these individuals that if you give me something, I'm going to learn it and make something of it. And so as fate has it, you know, we started off with these four assets and it was me and another person sort of doing student while I'm maintaining my conventional portfolio. Uh, I had a good friend of mine that had worked for a developer that had four properties that they were self-managing and they said, hey, we're here, you're doing student, can you take a look at these properties? And those four properties was the old, what we considered the old crossing place, a hotel developer out of Florida, mm-hmm. you know, had them and they sort of said, operate these, we're gonna probably exit out in a few years. And during that time frame, I really got, those first couple of years really got to know student housing, recognize that there's a lot of things I don't know and we really started putting a lot of the infrastructure and the SOPs together and starting to form a management company. And through that whole process, you know, I've always been a person that contacts are critical and get to know who the people are. I came across, you know, when they were marketing the portfolio, the brokerage firm at the time was ARA, and I met Pat Jones for the first time. And I got to know him and what his clients were looking for. And I got, every time there was, there was a tour on that property, I was up there meeting those prospects too. And I was giving my voice and credentials to the success of the property, the market, and everything else. And I got to know that these people are thriving or thirsting for information. I, that's so, yeah, I'm the butt in there for just a second. I think that's such of a key point. And I would really encourage, because you and I were talking a little bit before we hit the record button and uh, about that experience with, with, working closely with a, with a broker. And I, that's something I would encourage because a lot of times I see someone, you know, in a regional position or maybe even a vice president position on the operation side, kind of, you know, once a broker is introduced into something, I feel like folks on the operation side t- tend to say, okay, well now these guys are going to, you know, kind of write their own story about, you know, the asset or, or whatever. And that's just like, those guys are starving for information and you got to understand your client, regardless if they build it to hold for 10 years or 50 years or two years, there's, there is some type of exit strategy with that asset. And 
if you're fortunate enough to find yourself on the operation side when something's being sold, work with those brokers, work with you know the folks that are that are trying to and, and just insert yourself into it because sometimes brokers have a hard time asking for help, but that's such of a, a a cool thing that you're mentioning there because I think folks that that do that end up getting a huge benefit and just really their eyes become open to such of a bigger part of what this industry is about. So, well, what it, what it opened up for me was that not only. It, you know, I was fairly new myself in the student housing space. So just getting to know who those individuals were and who was buying the assets and what they were looking for was invaluable information to secure, which allowed me to tailor things that if I saw something, I could ping some of these potential clients about information. And I, you know, worked those relationships for probably three or four months. And I finally told my boss, I said, hey, I'm going to make a business trip. You're going to come on with me. And I had six appointments lined up. They started down in San Diego, and they went all the way up to Yakima, Washington, our first road trip. And I told Mike, I said, let's go. You know, Mike McGrath, I've got these people that are interested in talking to us. And it was interesting. We went in. We actually, you know, went into all these offices, had some great meetings, and we came back with six management contracts. Wow. And that sort of launched the student housing because no one at that time was really going out there knocking on the doors for the business. Yeah. I mean, it's change there's a lot of competition now and you know i've been very fortunate you know to be able to nurture a lot of great relationships that um you know have been has had a very loyal following not only to me but to the organization yeah so what i mean obviously mike had to to push you into (laughs) i think you pretty much just threw student housing on your lap from what it sounds like but what what is it about student student housing that that has excited you, that's kept you engaged? What is it that, because it, it is one of those things that you either you either love it or you hate it. So obviously for, for 20 years with Asset, I, I've got to imagine there's at least some love with it. Well, it's interesting. Uh, when I got into it, I didn't know what to expect. But as I've got, as I start to understand the fundamentals of it, it's, it's, all strategic planning, it's deadlines, it's, you know, you're, you're moving at such a fast pace. I like the dynamic aspects of student housing. For me to go back to, and I'm not knocking anything on the conventional side, but I would have a hard time going back on a conventional property where I'm doing three or four leases a week when I'm doing maybe 30 in a day during the peak of a lease it, season. It's, yeah. it's fast it's pace. And, and <laughs> you know, and, and Managers that are on these properties, I mean, there's just a lot thrown at them. It's, yeah. There's so much going on. And I also like the, the dynamics of the space in general. I love talking and listening to our student staff, the energy that they bring, the things that they bring to your attention. One of the things that I try to, you know, instill in our teams, you know, that there is no dumb idea. If, if you see something or you think something, if, if these, if, if I have a, college student that has come up with, you know, some creative way of the market or a new technology, we'll take a look at. And and I don't think, I mean, they're on the cutting edge of what's coming up. So listening to them, working with the dynamics of the staff has made it interesting. But, you know, like I said, I have always gotten the rush out of what keeps me, um, you know, excited in this space is that I look up and down the hallways and the people that are employed in various positions and in leadership positions, I feel like 
I like creating opportunities for people. I think I have had a part in creating a lot of opportunities by helping growing the business. Uh, during those earlier years now, I've got a phenomenal team that does that for us. I'm there to help support and mentor them as needed. But nothing gives me a greater rush than seeing, you know, a somebody that started at the site level all of a sudden in an SVP position. Yeah. You know, yeah. so and and managers into regional positions or marketing positions, are we moving them over to the multifamily? So, I mean, as long as we're growing and I can create, continue to help create opportunities for people, that's what excites me. Yeah, yeah. Now, Mitch, to you earlier, I you know, have, have come to, to know Jason for uh, quite a bit over, over the past year as he's helped us out with some things. And, uh, you know, I always ask, people kind of that origin story of, you know, how did you get started and, and that type of thing. And uh, him along with, uh, you know, I think folks like TJ Chambers and, you know, have kind of come back to you to say she's kind of the one that, you know, like you weren't necessarily the one to hire them, right? But once they showed that they had some interest and they wanted to, at some point in time, they intersect intersected with you and at that point, that's just when things really took off for them. Things clicked for them. And so, yeah, you've had a huge impact, certainly not not just within ASSEP, but I think across the industry as a whole. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I feel like I've been doing it a very long time. So, <laughs> so let's, that's the past. Let's chat a little bit about, you know, the, the future of student housing. You know, is there... Is there anything on your radar that gets you excited about the future or, or anything that concerns you maybe uh, about the industry? You know, I, I think what, what excites me about this, about the student housing sector is that it's, it's a viable asset class. You know, it wasn't always like that in the early years. So we've come a long way, but it worries me at times that I feel like we've sort of maybe lost our mission on, you know, what the root... We need to go back to our roots. We got to get back to taking care, giving giving the customer experience. I, I think that's a little bit lacking at times, because as investment money comes into the space, I mean, there's a different focus on you know yeah. the priorities. So I think with a lot of the new technologies that are coming out, with the, you know online leasing is 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 a mainstay, and the data analytics that go along with the marketing, the web presence, and everything else. You know, last time I looked, probably about 75, 80% of our leasing is done online. They don't even come in and tour. So we're sort of looking at, okay, we've got individuals. I mean, our, our leasing initiatives in, in the offices have changed a little, but it's allowed us to get focused a little bit more on the customer experience and trying to, you know, uh, bring that back to where it was because I, I felt that that was lacking. I mean, one of our core values is you know, everybody deserves a home. Even our students that are doing, you know, they're going to have four to five, six years sometimes living, you know, um, in a student market. This is their temporary home. We want to, we want them to have a great experience, and that's by trying to deliver cust- great customer service. That's about you know acknowledging their names and just and those things cost money. And those things cost money, and so now we sort of have. A little bit of latitude to where, you know, a lot of the resources, you know, that we're doing the leasing can focus on that aspect. So I think it's sort of interesting. I mean, it's it's good to see some of the new technologies that have come in to make it a little bit easier on, on that aspect. And um, and it's really up to our on-site teams and our middle management teams to really emphasize, you know, about 
focusing on the customer. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's so it's so funny because you know, I have to be careful. Um, obviously, I'm on the consulting side, uh, you know, within this industry as well, and. I've, I've had clients that have come to me and said, Hey, we want you to, you know, evaluate this project or, you know, we want to talk to you about, you know, the underwriting on it. And if, uh, and there's been on more than one occasion that <laughs> that group has said, well, we took this over to asset and Julie just said that this underwriting didn't make sense. And I've looked him square in the face and said, if Julie is telling you that this isn't going to make it, then you need to listen. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, it's in, in both of those situations, there were things that were, it was on the operation side. It was nothing on, you know, the development side um, from an underwriting standpoint. It was, it was the, you know, the, the operations and where they were cutting things either from a marketing standpoint Certainly, from a resident retention standpoint, and, and you know the efforts that are that are thrown to that each year. So, so yeah, good to good to hear you say that. Yeah, I've been known to be the deal killer within the company. <laughs> you know, or, the, or what I consider like the voice of re- voice of reasoning. Um, you know, I, I, we get it. You know, underwriting numbers are, I mean, are very thin in a lot of these. I mean, they're buying properties at a cap now and try to make numbers work with rising costs that are going all around you and you've got to get creative and there are sometimes you know it's you have to have those hard discussions say look we're a great operator but if you think i can hire a manager for sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars that's going to operate an 80 million dollar you need to up this to like 75 to eighty thousand plus bonuses yeah and your payroll costs should be representative not 11 percent of your gpr should be equivalent to like 14 to 15 percent of your gpr i've said i can prove the data all day long because i'm a data analytics person so you know we'll try to i mean we're really honest and candid and if a client says you have to operate this way we will work within their guidelines but if the results we tell the clients you know if the results aren't happening we're going to have to pivot quickly and sometimes we may not be the best operator for you because we're not going to tell you something can be done if it can't be done. So, no, I, I completely agree with you on that. And, you know, I talked to you a little bit about our, you know, my visit in the, in the UK and uh, <laughs> things seem from a management standpoint were way more efficient because there, you know, there was this kind of den mother figure that was, you know, at, at each of the properties, but outside of that leasing and, and maintenance and everything were done centrally. And, and that's another podcast for another day, but the customer service was pathetic. I mean, just absolutely pathetic because there was nobody there giving customer service, but at the same time, the students seemed completely fine with it. I don't know that that'll ever happen here in the U S but I want to kind of pivot a little bit on that, on that question. You know, when it comes to things that are concerning you or things that you feel like, need to to change a lot of times we have to look to our suppliers and and um, service providers to do that you guys were very instrumental with um, uh, you know with the I don't want to say the conception of, of Entrada but making Entrada something that was going to be very student focused when it came out of the when it came out of the box and um, you guys worked very hand in hand with them on that you know coming from that, you know, 
that particular experience and then also kind of seeing what we're struggling with, uh, what some of the challenges are or what's on the horizon with student housing. If you had vendors that were sitting here in this room with us, uh, you know, what, what would be the kind of, not necessarily advice, but, you know, what would you be telling them of what we need in this industry? What kind of, what kind of problems do we need them to solve in this industry? That's a good question. I'm going to careful how I respond. I mean, there's just so many different verticals you can go with this question. You know, one of the things I think we need a lot of help and assistance in is organizing our turn process. I think a lot of us still, you know, I've got a lot of maintenance personnel that still like to use the the make ready board and keep everything up. The paper ones. The the paper (laughs) ones. And so I think as technology evolves, uh, I think, you know, trying to fine tune the turn process. And we've sort of last year sort of piloted two companies that we worked with. We'll probably, you know, uh, at our size, probably engage at both of them to get involved in most of our properties for next year. But just to have a process to where, you know, where it's centrally located that the vendors can pick up their assignments and that there's a tracking of when they go into the units, when they're completed. I have a record when, you know, one of my staff members goes in and checks the unit. And if it's not ready, they can ping something on through one of these apps to have them go back. So I think it's been exciting to see some of that um, technology coming in. It's not quite there yet, but there's some good, there's some good companies out there trying to figure it out. That's definitely a, a need. Uh, I mean, like you, you mentioned with Intrada, we're constantly, they're a great partner. They, they, they really have listened to the student housing operators in this space to try to fine-tune it. We're constantly working to improve on, on items with them, and they've got some interesting products coming up. One of the conversations that I've sort of threw out there, I haven't gotten a response, but, you know, with this demographic, we're having residents wanting to pay, you know, the rent with Bitcoin or some sort of ETF. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's Intrada. Where does Intrada stand and maybe accepting that kind of currency? So there's a lot of things, you know, in the future that we're pressing Intrada to take a hard look at. I also think there are, you know, with our demographic, it's all about convenience and flexibility and doing it on their time. So we're looking at companies that offer the self-guided tours, ones that, you know, can maybe help us save on some of the... Not just virtual no, self-guided no, no, online, I'm, actually, I'm actually coming talking, onto the property. Coming onto the property, they get they can register online and get, get an assignment slot assigned to them. They can go tour at their leisure. You know, you put these special smart locks on the one or two doors that you're, that you're showing. So if they want to come in, you know... At any given time, I mean, with within restrictions, I mean, we sort of lock it down by by nine o'clock. But if you go once a towards seven, they can have access to the area and they can sort of self guide. We have a record who's in there. We also feel it will help out, like even on during the weekends where we can have the self guided tours, because a lot of times people don't really want to see a face; they just show me the product. Yeah. Uh, so we're sort of looking at some of that technology. It's out there, which will allow our teams to focus on what, what I talked about earlier, the customer experience. I think the more options you give a resident, it's going to help you, you know, garner a greater share of, of, of prospects down the line. I mean, we're talking to various companies that offer, you know, flex payment options to where we get all of our money up front at the beginning, but the resident makes it an application with, uh, with a provider that will... Uh, pay their rent and then pay them a fee to pay it out over 
gotcha. to, over a period of time. So as I think there's just, in this industry, what I have learned and what I continue to learn every day is that there's always something new that enters in. And having the ability to see and connect, hey, this could really help the industry yeah. is something that I, I I love trying to find what the, that next thing is. And, you know, like we talked earlier, I mean, assets been around for, I don't know, 32, 33 plus years. We've been very, very um, loyal to our, our vendors that partner with us on some of these initiatives. So if there's something new out there, something that we should be looking at, I mean, we are open to it and we're actively trying to find what the next thing is that will help with the leasing process or anything that can benefit our resident base. Well, fantastic. I think the vendors that are listening to this podcast, and there's a lot to do, that, that there's there's a lot there that they can take away from. And, uh, and, and now they have their assignments. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, Julie, the, the SHI audience is mostly made up of site level and, and regional level managers. And, and I put myself in, in their shoes and, and I'm, you know, <sighs> Maybe they're at a at a point where they're considering, you know, making the student housing industry something that that's going to be a, a long career for them, and they're kind of looking at you know next steps and what they need to do to, um, you know, for the next promotion or just their own personal growth uh, within the, within the industry. What advice would you have for for those managers and those employees? You know, I've given a lot of advice out over the years. And most of the time it's listened to. Other times I question, did you not listen to me? But, um, you know, I I think it's important for the community managers to understand and recognize that they bring incredible value to their properties. Um, You know, it it is such an important position and it cannot be underestimated. They're almost like their own CEOs and they need to act like a CEO. That's one of the advice I tell. Act like a CEO. Hold your team accountable. No set the expectations, but you also set the tone in that office. You know, if you've got to be, you know, on your game, keep, you know, if there's, if you're having troubles, keep it at the front door. You know, you've got to come prepared. And, and I'm a little bit old school. So I teach a little of some of the old school traits that probably don't get always taught all the time because everybody is, you know, that's, oh, it's all online. We can look at here. We got it at our fingertips. no, I believe that, you know, as the CEO, every day you come in, you should have a five or 10 minute drill down with your, your top three personnel. You should have your leasing manager in there. You should have your facilities director in there and you should have your AGM and you should have all the reports pulled as the manager. So you can sort of indicate, okay, we've got collection issues. I'd need an update by the end of the day where we stand here, set the expectations, find out why certain leads aren't closed out or what, why haven't they been followed up? I think if your team knows that you're looking at these things and what's expected, you'll they'll respect you more and you'll get a lot more production out of them. Um, I also think as the GM, you know, it's imperative that you build a dynamic team. You know, you've got to have everyone working together. It's just not one person that makes that operation because it's the whole team from the back of the house to the front of the house. And if you've got, you know, I think in this position, and in I think it's so hard, especially nowadays with staffing constraints that we have across the country not only in our business but industry as a whole you know if you've got somebody that's bringing down your team you know 
you need, you've got to be the leader and make whatever necessary changes are to get that tone back because one person can sink your team. And too many times I see people holding on to individuals that probably should have been let go because it's not a healthy environment. So don't hold on to the dead weight. You you need to let go of the dead weight and get the team going in the right direction. Um, I also think that you need to invest in yourself. I think you need to constantly train yourself, pick up new skills, read, um, get involved in your local industry, your local apartment association or whatever industry avenues you have, and invest in yourself. If you don't... if you expect a company to invest in you, you need to take time to invest in yourself. So yeah. I think a born leader will take that time. Um, uh, I mean, another one, especially when you're in a larger organization, you know, I always tell people, you need to put political capital over here in this column here. So if assignments come up and you have the time to give, volunteer for them because you'll get exposed to other te- senior team members yeah. In the organization, you'll learn a different skill set. Um, it makes you much more visible and marketable, you know, within the, within the organization. So, don't be afraid to not volunteer. I think it's an invaluable. Some people thrive at it. Some people attempt it and say, "No, I just I want to handle just what I'm handling," that, yeah. and that's fine too. Yeah, um, we we need more managers that because I, I do think there's in this industry you get a, a lot of folks that they get to that general manager position, you know, fairly quickly. And, you know, they, they may spend, you know, a, a cycle, two cycles, and they get very bored really quick and they're, or seem that they're get that they're bored. <laughs> I think what it really comes down to is, you know, they, they haven't got that, that dopamine shot of getting a promotion in a couple of years and that they feel like, you know, they're not worthy or something. And, you know, I've had this conversation over and over again with folks. Um, you know, I've been in this industry for 25 years and have been outside of, you know, working day to day, you know, on site for, you know, probably 15 of those years. And it's, um, there's times I'll look at other, you know, industry veterans (laughs) that came in at the same time that I did. I'm like, wouldn't you just love to go back on site? And that's the only thing you had to do <laughs> was, was make sure everybody was happy on site. And I, yeah, I, I can't stress that enough. Um, there's, there is absolutely nothing wrong with, with being a general manager um, or community manager as, as they're called in, in some places within our industry. And, you know, making that the best that because because if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing there, the opportunities will end up coming. And to your point, yeah, when you know when there's those takeovers that are you know a couple of states over, and it's a you know two three hour drive for you to to get there from a, from a management company perspective, having you you know volunteer that time away from your family, that time away from you know, your, your own property to, to help take something over one. Yeah. It really exposes you to, to those corporate officers and, and folks, you know, that are looking within your company of the next person that they've got to, to hire, but also just going through that process of, you know, helping evaluate, you know, another asset and, and identifying, you know, the strengths and the weaknesses 
it's a it's a big opportunity, and I would I would certainly encourage people to make sure that they they put them their themselves on that list to be called upon. I I don't disagree. I mean, you know, I, I think sometimes you know our community managers. I mean, I can tell you firsthand, you know, because I talk to a lot of clients. I mean, I could have the best regional. I could have the best SVP. I could even have Julie Bonnet on the asset. They don't care. It's that community manager that drives the engine on these properties. Yeah. And, and being proficient in all aspects of that position, you know, is a skill set. And it's highly sought after. So, I mean, you know, these managers are going to know more, should know more about the property, the market conditions than anyone at the corporate level. Um, sometimes the clients will probably know more because they, they've got a vested financial interest in these properties, so they they challenge you. I mean, we can talk a whole segment about the, you know involvement of the clients because now they're leveraging you know there's forty fifty percent sixty percent sometimes equity in these deals, so they're very involved. So having that manager that can you know communicate effectively to the clients what's going on in the marketplace is critical, um, and that's sometimes. You know, and, and our clients are wanting to hear from these managers. They're going to know. I mean, I mean, I expect our community managers to know what's going on in the marketplace, and not necessarily wait for a regional. Somebody said, "Hey, this floor plan is really moving in the marketplace. We can bump them twenty bucks." I expect that manager to know that and make those recommendations when yeah. we're having those daily or weekly calls. I mean, don't wait around for your regional to tell you what to do. You know, you should know what's in that. You should know your market. And if you don't, you're doing yourself and your property a disservice. Get out there and understand what's going on in the marketplace so you can make effective and timely recommendations to your, your ownership group because yeah. you're the first line, and that's how the, a lot of these clients look at it. So I, I think the community managers pay, play an invaluable role in, in our overall success, but I think there's also great opportunities for individuals that want to move along in their career to make it a long career path. I never thought at age 20 that I'd be, oh, I hate to even say this, but I've been in property management for the last almost 40 years of my life. And I've never thought I would ever, see, this was not the path that I sort of chose. Yeah. It's, it's a path that I was fortunate that I, I fell into and I had, a, and I just saw the passion in it and I wanted to be part of it. Yeah. So I, I went into, you know, uh, I mean, I think there's opportunities. I think, like you said, volunteering, assisting where you can. And even with an asset, we have like we, we have some wonderful programs. You know, we have the asset ambassador asset ambassador program where we sort of send applications out people that want to join it that are out there on our social media platforms are really sort of selling the great benefits of what our team site team members are doing and 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 if you don't want to go that route, we have a TOPS program. I mean, there's just so many neat programs within the organization mm-hmm. um, that we can uh, you can move into if you uh, want to make this a career path. Hey, one thing that you mentioned there was kind of, you know, having those reports and, and all those things, you know, not just – maybe it's not memorized, but certainly you've got your, your – hands on those numbers and can always be able to, to report those. And I think you said, tell the story. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I told a manager recently that, I mean, we were talking a little bit about, he had um, his property I serve 
as an asset manager for, and we were going through, just going through his, his monthly operating statement and going over his variance report. And you've sat through enough of those, you know, <laughs> you know how some of these um, variance explanations can just be, well, you know, no duh. <laughs> that's, that's, I can look at the numbers and figure that one out. <laughs> and, and I just impressed upon him, like, you know, I know how to ask you the, the deeper questions in order for you to tell the story, but this narrative has to be the story. And, um, or you've got to be able to, to, to tell that, that story and it within the, within the narrative. And then, you know, and just uh, explained to him, I said, you know, every asset has a story and you may not always be able to be the author of that story, but you will always be the storyteller with, with that story. And, um, and it's important for you to understand how that has to be communicated in order for, you know, if the asset is needing something, you've got to be able to explain that and communicate it to somebody. If it's, you know, doing well, you need to make sure that you're, you're showing people this is, this is doing well, this is paying off. And because if you're not telling that story, nobody's going to know the story. Right. Julie, any, any final words? I appreciate so much your, your time and, um, and love your wisdom. Is there any other final points or words, words of wisdom that you have for our audience? I really don't have any additional words of wisdom. I just think this is an exciting time to be in student housing. And I think just recognizing as a community manager, you're the one that's going to ignite your team. And I just think you just need to be vigilant about, you know, being present, um, being that teacher, being a mentor to them, you know, and try to, part off some of your wisdom and do not be afraid to try to train your replacement. Absolutely. You know, and so, um, you know, it's, I, I think people that get into this, they get it for a reason. There's a passion there that people, that you don't get in other parts of the real estate. Yeah. Um, so I think it's exciting. I've been thrilled and, and, and it's been sort of like the joy of my life really working in the student house space. I was I was brought into it kicking and screaming. And I think probably Ryan's gonna have to pull me out kicking and screaming. <laughs> so I, I've I've really enjoyed the time with you and and explaining or spending some time sort of talking about my career journey and hopefully I parted some wisdom to some of the uh, some of the future leaders of this space and I'm Absolutely. You've, um, uh, you know, just throughout my career, you know, you've been a voice of leadership. And, and, and from that standpoint, you know, I want to personally thank you for, for not just that impact that you've had on, on my life, but, you know, through the, through the industry over the past, you know, couple of years of, of getting through this pandemic, you've taken a very instrumental role, along with others like Miles Worth and Christine Richards uh, have said, uh, look, industry we've got to come together and um, and you've certainly been a big part of that as well and honestly I don't know I'm sure we would have all gotten through it with, <laughs> without your help but it has been uh, I think we've all been able to sleep a little bit better at night because of, of folks like you that were making sure that that we were all communicating and and helping get through this well, well I appreciate that I mean it's this industry is unique I mean we're 
even though we're competitive, I think most of us at at the sea level are really close and have great respect yeah. for one another because we know what it takes to be successful. So um, it's been, like I said, I have enjoyed the ride. I really don't want it to end, but you know, <laughs> everything ends eventually. Um, but it's been a phenomenal, uh, like I said, a phenomenal opportunity to work for a couple of great, amazing companies. I mean, not everybody can say that they worked for amazing. I can actually say I've worked for two amazing companies in my career. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, fantastic. And, and I'm, I'm glad that you've spent the latter part of that career on, on the student housing side. And um, I know we're, I know asset is, is making some big moves into, uh, you know, acquiring more on the, on the conventional side. But love your your passion for not just the industry, but for your people as well. And just thanks so much. Thank you. Well, I'm going to say it again. I just I, I love having a conversation with Julie. She's so insightful and um, I, I can't, I can't thank her enough for, for taking the time out and spending with myself and, and sharing this with the audience. So any, any other parting thoughts? No, I'm going to go crawl back into bed. <laughs> yeah. For all of those out there that are having to deal with this stinking Omicron variant COVID mess, Get well soon. Get well soon. Fortunately, this does not seem to be very severe. It has gone through my family and I had COVID back in really bad case of Delta back in uh, in January and excuse me. back God, in, That was terrifying. Yeah. Back in July and August um, and spent 15 days in the hospital. And I haven't even, you know, there was this whole thing about natural immunity and uh, I, I've still... I've still got it. It went through our entire family. And um, so it doesn't seem to uh, care if you've got natural immunity or vaccinated immunity. It's just, it's ripping through the population. So, but fortunately it's, it's just the, the sniffles and the fevers and, and not that, uh, that crappy pneumonia stuff that I had. So, so please everybody get well, take your vitamins, Take your zinc. I can't express enough how much that's uh, that's helped me. But anyway, getting beyond all that, just want to remind everybody: please make sure that you share this this episode with your friends. And also, if you're not a member of the Student Housing Insight community, make sure that you go to our website and click on the login tab up in the upper right hand corner. We're about to make some huge, major improvements to the community. And I want to make sure that you're a part of that. And so if you go ahead and sign up now, you'll, you'll get the email notification once, once we do those upgrades and, uh, and uh, hopefully everything will happen perfect so that um, your account can be ported over, but we will see. Greta, thanks so much for uh, hanging in there and being a co-host for me on this very (laughs) special 100th episode. I wouldn't have missed it. Absolutely. All right, guys, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.